0: But nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing stand against the power of our God. <coughs> Leave my coffee under my seat. table. There we go. We'll get there. Hey, the, the welcome to the bridge launch or the newcomers launch. It's important because um, so many new faces. Um, God's doing really cool stuff right now. Can I get an amen if you agree? All right. And um, it's a great way to be able to just put a face to a name. No, wait, a name to a face. That's the same thing. And um, have some food together and just get to know each other a little bit. And so um, if you haven't been to New to the Bridge lunch, then uh, you should come and hang out and have some food and, um, so, we can, so I can get to know you. And uh, yeah, that's that. Okay. We are going to continue on in our study in the Gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bible, would you open up to Mark chapter 9? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's the second one. Second one of the gospel accounts. Gospel account is the account of Jesus' life when he was walking around on earth, teaching and doing stuff and showing us what God is like. And uh, so we're just going chapter by chapter through the book of Mark. And um, we have such a cool passage today. So as you are turning there, I will open up my notes. And um, can I pray for uh, for the teaching part of today? Lord, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for those songs that we were singing this morning. Uh, there's There's something about singing true words about who you are, about who we are to you, about... Um, What you're doing in our lives and in our world, it's just a powerful, powerful thing to declare that um, with other people, and it is a powerful thing to open up your word um, with the heart of submission, that we could actually um, receive something eternal in our little gathering here. That there could be some transference from your heart to our heart. From the kingdom of God to the kingdom of this world. That you could do something powerful. And that just gets me super fired up. So Lord, we open your word together right now. And we want to ask that you would speak to us. And we want to declare even over ourselves in this place that you are going to speak to us. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Book of Mark, chapter 9, and we're going to do one through, verses 1 through 12. So let me read them, and then we'll get into it. Chapter 9, verse 1 says this. And he said to them, so Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Verse 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up, led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant Intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them and there appeared to him and there appeared to them Elijah with Moses and they were talking with Jesus verse 5 and Peter said to Jesus rabbi it is good that we are here let us make three tents one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah for he did not know what to say for they were terrified. You ever not know what to say so you say something dumb? (laughs) Me neither. And a cloud, verse 7, and a cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the son of man had risen from the dead. So they kept the manner to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? Verse 12, and we'll end here. And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things and how it is written of the son of man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I tell you that Elijah has come and that, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. I want to preach a message today. Again, I was torn with titles. so Maybe I'll give them to you both. No, I want to preach a message. This is what I, what I heard when I was reading this. There's more, to meet, there's more going on than meets the eye. More than meets the eye. Anybody remember what more than meets the eye is the tagline to? Any 90s babies growing up, huh? Transformers. God bless all the 40-somethings in this room. More than meets the eye. I loved that cartoon um, because it was cool. There was this transformation. Something could be transformed and turned into something else. And Transfiguration where it says Jesus was transfigured before them. Another word for that. Uh, a word that might help us understand better is the word transform became turned into something else there was something that happened and uh, so we're going to look at more than meets the eye now we are picking up in the middle of an ongoing story such as any place in the bible you pick up and you catch a uh, a snapshot of a bigger story, and we're doing the same thing every week. We do that. All these messages stand alone, but they're all part of something that is bigger. And so, we are picking up right after there were some really heavy statements that were made the past few weeks. One of past few weeks, one of them was this: "Who do people say that I am?" You guys remember? And Peter says, "You're the Christ. You, like you're the Savior of the world. You're the one." And then Jesus says to Peter, and you are Peter, almost as if he's giving him uh, a new identity, telling Peter, because of what he now sees about Jesus, his life has changed forever, and you are Peter. And I tell you that on this transaction, I'm going to do something in your life and in this world that is going to shake the very foundations. Hell itself can't even stop what, what you just said is going to do. I'm going to do an unstoppable work in you and through you. Then he turns around and says, you are more, to to Peter, right after he says that, he says this, and I'm paraphrasing, you are more mindful in your life of what the devil is doing than what I am doing. Right? after That's a heavy statement. And I think that we all could relate to that when we were talking about it. Sometimes we're like, God, you're so good. And other times we're just led by emotion or our time frame. And we can just miss what God is doing and wants to do both in our own lives and in the world around us. And then Jesus says this last thing. He says, follow me. So we don't want to be led by ourselves, ultimately by what the devil would want to do. The enemy of your soul would want to do in your life. So Jesus says, so follow me. And here's what it looks like. You need to deny yourself. Take up your cross and come with me. He says those things and it's heavy stuff. And then he goes right in. This is a continuing of the conversation. He says, for I tell you the truth, verse 9 or chapter 9, verse 1. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. So in, the, in a sense, you say, he was saying, yes, you need to die to yourself every day, but one day you all will actually die. And some of you here, before that happens, you're going to see the kingdom of God and the power of God. Verse 2, and after six days, he took with him Peter and James and John, led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Notice it says by themselves. This isn't something that happened in front of everyone. James, Peter, and John. Some call them the three stooges or the inner circle. You can, some commentators say Jesus took these three up there because they were like um, Jesus is like ride or dies. You know what I mean? Like these three, they were special. And there are equal amount of uh, theologians and commentators that say actually these three needed the most help. They needed, they needed extra special care from Jesus. So Jesus was like, I have plans for you guys, which makes sense that the Lord would do this because he gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. They're always arguing about who's the best and who's got it the most figured out. So maybe there is um, a little bit of both. But I, I relate to the second one. Like, you know what? I'm going to do things in your life that if people told you, you wouldn't even believe them. And so come with me. So maybe, maybe they needed a little extra help. So we took them. This is something that happened privately. So I want to talk this morning about three things the disciples saw in this moment that God wants us to see as well. Three things that were more than meets the eye. So what did they see? The first thing that they saw, we're going to, take, we're going to see a glimpse of three things. The first thing, they got a glimpse of power a glimpse of power jesus showed them a temporary glimpse of an ongoing reality there is something that is how jesus didn't like conjure up something and take get mix up all of his powers and be transfigured before them matter of fact the greater miracle is that jesus somehow could cover all of his glory for 30 some odd years while he was on this earth and not let it be shown through. When you read the Old Testament and God says to Moses, no one can look at me and live. Because Moses is like, God, I want to see your face. Show me who you are. God says to Moses, no one can look at my face and live, but here's what I will do. I will hide you in the cleft of a rock. I will pass before you and hold my hand over the cleft. And then as I go by, I will remove my hand and you can... Uh, check me out as I go by and so he does it when Moses saw what these guys see here his face shined for years it freaked people out actually they were like could you put on a veil because and and uh, this is the the shining forth uh, that these guys see but he showed them a temporary glimpse of an ongoing reality a glimpse of his power. Peter said, you are the one. Maybe there was something that Jesus needed to give him a glimpse because there are some things coming down the road where Peter's actually going to flee, run away, be scared, quit, go back to his old life. He needed to see something in this moment. It was a glimpse of power. Check this out. They saw in this moment And they saw on this side of heaven what every human being who has ever gone before us has seen and experienced. And that is Jesus himself in a glorified state. Not in like robes with dirty feet, but the king of the universe who calls lightning bolts by name and tells them where to go. He showed them a glimpse of an ongoing eternal reality. That is so crazy. Second thing that they saw in this glimpse, this glimpse of power, they saw dead people alive. That would be odd. It says, and there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, and they were talking with Jesus. I love what one commentator says. He says, right in front of them, the disciples saw evidence of life beyond this life. When they saw Moses and Elijah They knew that Moses and Elijah passed from this world 1,400 years before. Moses lived 1,400 years before this moment, 1,400 years. That's a long time. We're just over 2,000 years on this side of Jesus walking the earth. So double that back the other way, and that's how long ago Moses lived before Peter, James, and John. And Elijah some 900 years before. Yet here they were, alive in glory Before them, it gave them confidence in Jesus' claim to resurrection, this commentator said. Here's what trips me out. They didn't have pictures. They didn't have Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, Do you guys remember those? (laughs) Steph's dad has a whole, um, his library of encyclopedias that he bought in college. They're awesome, up uh, proud on his, uh, on his bookshelf. So we look through them every once in a while. Um, we know a little bit more about some stuff now than we did. These were published in 78. But they didn't have pictures. How? Here's my question, my way I think about it. How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Huh? The beards. The, beards. <laughs> the killer beard. That's um, just a trip, right? They knew exactly, they're like Moses, Elijah, they knew who they were. Um, Can I tell you something that's going to make some of you feel, uh, will humble some of you? And some of you, it's going to make you feel really good. Right now, you know the least you will ever know from here through the rest of eternity. We will know more after we pass from this life into our eternal state. The Bible says we will know like as we are known. And so there was in this moment that this glimpse of power, maybe it was a power of knowledge, the power of identity, but there was something that was Moses and Elijah. Now, Moses and Elijah represent something, and a lot of theological discussion happens from this text here about things that are going to happen in the future. Is, Is Jesus talking about right then? I would say yes, because he says there are some of you standing here who will not die until you have seen the kingdom of God, and then he, they see Jesus transfigured. So I believe that this is what's being talked about. There are future implications, but this is what he says. And um, But Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, right? He is a representation of the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant. He is the representation of God's law, the law. Have you ever heard the term the law and the prophets? Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. Um, Elijah represents all of the prophets. In In a sense, you could say Jesus was standing, fulfilling the old covenant as they were standing with him. This is important that Peter, James, and John get the glimpse of this power because coming soon, for us, it's two weeks away. For them, it was coming just months away where it's going to seem as if all control will be taken from Jesus. He's showing them that he has all things under control, but coming is a moment where it's going to look like all his control is taken to him when he's nailed to a cross, when he's taken imprisoned in a garden, and he has the very life beaten from him. My kids are spacing out <laughs> and staring at the ceiling. Threw me off. All right. But uh, he's going to be beaten, crucified, and killed. Hey, can I give you a text that's one of my favorite? It's actually a life-changing text for me. just came into my world, I don't know, a few years ago now talking about getting a glimpse of God's power, there is a person in the Old Testament by the name of Job, but he spells his name Job. So not Steve Jobs, but just Job. It's a long book. It's 42 chapters. But the chapters 38 through 42, life-changing for me. Because Job was having things in his life that he didn't understand. He lost his wife. He lost his His children tragically. Everything that he had worked hard for, honoring God his whole life, and all these things happened, and he couldn't make sense of it. And he's like, God, what is going on? And then he has friends that are counseling him, and they're just like, dude, you did something. And it's it's this long back and forth, and Job's actually kind of hard to understand, but when you get into chapter 38, I'm not going to read it all to you now. Just go and check it out, because here's what happens God answers Job from heaven. And he goes, Job, I actually, can I ask you a few questions? Job's like, sure. And then God says, Were you there when I fashioned the world out of nothing? If you were, tell me how it's put together. And then he says, Were you, are you, do you know the storehouses of snow that I have? Do you know this? Do you know that I call lightning bolts by name? I say lightning bolts and they say, yes, Lord. And I tell them where to go. Do you know? And he just goes on and he gives Job a transfiguration moment where he shows him his power. And there are so many things that we don't understand, questions we have, and God wants to give us a glimpse of his control. He is in control of this life in the next. That's the first glimpse, a glimpse of power. The second thing, he gives him a glimpse of his plan. Verse 5, and Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, so he sees this. Jesus emitting light. It's not like a spotlight shined on him. It was like coming from him. He says, Rabbi, meaning teacher, it's good that we're here. This is cool. Let us make three tents. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. I got an idea. This is awesome. Let's stay here. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Yeah. And the cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Peter did not want to, safe to say, Peter did not want this moment to end. Maybe he didn't understand everything, but there was something about it that was like, we should, I wish we could stay here forever. You know what this reminds me of for us? Um, some kids, I have friends that run a camp here in town, Camp Furwood. It's awesome. It's a cool place. And kids would go to summer camp. It's an amazing time. You have all these rad experiences. You meet tons of cool friends. You all are all gathered around a single purpose. And yet, and then there will be speakers that come in that share about the love of God and the purpose of God in your life. And a lot of kids will respond to God for the first time or in a new time. at summer camp. It's been happening forever. And people will call it the camp high. Like, this is so epic. And then, and then they say, now, when you get back to the real world, kind of like, we're, we're on this place where these things can happen, but when you go back to the real world, it's easy for all of this to go away. So then we teach kids, you know, not, I'm not saying this is what this summer camp does or any of that, but just in essence, it's like, but when you go back into the real world, let's take summer camp out of it, and let's just talk about church for a second. Now, when you go back out there where it's real evil and people are bad, there's a chance that all the cool stuff that's going on in your life in this church context could go away, so be on guard. And so there's a sense of like, let's just stay here. It's so nice. It's nice here with people who care about the same things that I do and like, oh, my gosh, it's Moses and Elijah. God is doing something rad. Let's stay here forever. Let's not go back down. They needed a glimpse of God's plan. When we are afraid or confused about things, don't we want Jesus to show us what to do? God, just show me what to do. Tell me where to go. If you you tell me what to do, I'll be good. Let me tell you the problem with that question or with that request. Because just like here on this mountain, we want Jesus to show us what to do, but time and time again he would rather show us who he is. God, what should what should I do? And he's transfigured before them. No, let me show you who I am. Let me show you what power looks like. You could put this. We want his plan. God's plan is his presence. What's your plan, Lord? My presence. Where do you want me to go, Lord? I am with you. We want him to give us his plan, and he wants to give us his presence. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. This word listen means to tune into an existing broadcast, radio. There are radio stations, radio waves. They're in this room right now. You can't see them, but they're floating through the room. If you tune in to the right, radio waves, you can pick up some sweet music. We were listening to a throwback station yesterday on our way back up from um, Stevens Pass. And I, all of a sudden, I was back in high school driving. My, I leaned my seat back a little bit more. <laughs> and um, we tuned in to an existing thing. This is what's saying here. This is my son tune in to who he is and what he is doing, what he has been doing. It actually means to tune in and then join in. Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus speaking. He says it in another way, but he says this. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who Hear the word of God and put it into practice. You want to catch a glimpse of God's plan in your life? Experience his presence in new ways? Hear the word of God and put it into practice. Do you know that Jesus is present right now? May not be glowing, may not be standing on a mountain, but he is present. He, because he says here, blessed are all those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. We have the word of God. Because of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension back to heaven, and sending the Holy Spirit, we don't just have the word of God, we have the spirit of God, which brings the word of God to life and directs us. Jesus is present currently by his spirit and his word in this place. Before we move to the third and last one, let me read one more verse in John, another place Jesus talked about. So if God speaks from heaven, this is my son. They catch a glimpse of like Jesus. We've seen this Jesus, but this we're seeing this. And then Jesus, after this, says, after they had come back down from the mountain, says, on his way, actually, after, um, when we'll talk about this on Good Friday, we'll talk about this verse right here. But it says, Jesus said to them, If you remain in me, remain, another word is abide. If you tune in and join in to who I am and what I'm doing, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, You may ask for anything that you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Hear him. Tune in to what he is doing, to who he is, to what his word says. How do I tune in my heart? The Bible says, how does a person, paraphrasing, how does a person tune into what God is doing? Hide God's word in your heart. You know, I read a stat this week that I know to be true, but to see it on paper just blew my mind. Uh, a few of us went to a, um, I don't know about a conference, but it was a thing a few weeks ago, just talking about how can we, just the world that we're living in, was he the guy referred to it as digital babylon like this place that we've been taken to because we're talk- like how do we raise our kids to not be separatists from the world but to understand that there are things going on to not pass judgment how to extend grace but also to stand strong in their faith you know we're trying to figure out how to help and serve you guys and your families and our kids and and so we're sitting there um uh, listening to this guy, and um, I just lost my train of thought, so I'll move on to the, to the next thing. Oh, it was so good. It was right there. Oh, the infographic, see? Um, thank you, Lord. And uh, it was about content, how much, how much content we take in. We, are, we consume content like it's our jobs. It's Sunday. You guys are going to get your screen time notification today. What does it say? Mine was up last week. It's because because my boys were streaming a movie on my iPad through the hotspot on my phone. I had to go through it, so it's not my fault. Um, and they were watching holy Christian content. Hallelujah! But uh, our 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 content, the amount that we consume, or the informa- we, but we call it something nice. We live in the information age. No, okay, doesn't mean that all information is good. The amount of content we're taking in is crazy. Did you know the amount of content? So this is talking about um, Gen Z, so 18 to 29-year-olds or something like that. The amount of content that is taken in by this, uh, demo, this demographic of people um, like less than 10% is spiritual content. So you have 100% and then less than 10 So how do we raise people that are going to follow Jesus? And we have to understand, uh, first of all, the world. So this is 18 to 29 because it's talking about how do we reach the youth, but the reality is that's all y'all, all of us. The amount of content, look at your week and how much content you take in. For some people, church is more content to take in. How do we know? Because people will come and come and come and come for years and never get involved. It's just more content to take. The Bible says you hear God's word, never do anything about it. That doesn't create disciples or maturity, and that's not joining in to what God is doing. We are trained to just take in and never do anything about it. That's why Jesus says, if you want to abide and see radical things, you want to see transfiguration, you want to see the power of God in your life, you can't just take in more content. Or the invitation is, don't just take in more content, but put into practice what you see God doing, what he is telling you, and then you will be like, dude, the Lord is speaking to me. It used to just be words on a page, but I am seeing God do something in my life. There are many stories of that in here. And you guys come back the week after Easter when we baptize people, and you can see that this is really happening in real time. Okay, last but not least. So they saw a glimpse of power, saw a glimpse of his plan, and now they're going to get a glimpse of the future. Verse eight and suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. And they were coming, and as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead, so they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. Why didn't God stay up there longer? There are some that said Jesus finished his work. Jesus could have left right here. He had done these things. This is what how God feels about the world. Done all these miracles and this and that. And then he's transfigured, showed people who he is. Could have gone. But his work wasn't complete. But what did he want to show them? Not just power. Not just his holy presence. But I put, He gave, he wants to give them just enough to keep going. I can relate to that. Some of you can relate. Some of you in this room, you've had a moment where you saw Jesus so clearly. Maybe it was years ago. Maybe you're in the process of it now. You saw His majesty. His power. You've experienced transformation in your life you have felt purpose like never before you could almost taste it then it seems like you wake up one day and where'd it go it says and suddenly looking around they no longer saw anyone with them it was just Jesus like wait what happened where's the glowing where's Moses Where's Elijah? Why did you even do that? Well, we want that back. What did we do? Where do we go from here? That's like you wake up and it's dark and Jesus isn't glowing anymore. That's on purpose. Because they saw something that he wanted them to now go and carry with them. He wanted to give them just enough to keep going. You know, God does things in our lives when we're in certain places to train and equip and teach. Later on, he will tell them, now go into the world and tell people who I am. Peter actually says later on in his life about this moment. 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll put the verses on the screen, but jot it down. You can go look at it later. Do I want to skip to that? Yeah, let's skip to it. Peter says about this moment, Therefore, when he's writing his letter to the churches, I will always remind you about these things. Even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth, you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live, for our Lord Jesus has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. He just said, remember, remember, remember. My job is to remind you. Remind them of what? that we at verse 16, we are not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. When he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God that said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets, the word of God, the things that we say. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines or is transfigured in your own hearts. They saw enough to keep going. The glimpse of the future is that Jesus knew something that they didn't know. And here's what Jesus knew. It was on this mountain he wanted to show them a glimpse of heaven. But it was going to be on another mountain that he would show the whole world a glimpse of his love. It was on this mountain he wanted to show these three a glimpse of his power. But it's going to be on another mountain where Jesus wants to show the whole world a glimpse of of his love a snapshot the thing about a snapshot like when you take it on your phone if you have live photo on your phone you take it and you're like that is good but if you hold press and hold you catch like a little clip like why are they laughing what were they laughing at or or and so you and but you just see this thing and you're like no i want to see more show me more jesus is saying i will but what you need right now is a glimpse you need to keep going because I want to do something and I am doing something. So when he said a couple chapters back, "Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me." And then he says this to these guys. Can I tell you something? The goal in your life isn't the cross. God doesn't when he says, "Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me," he's not telling you deny yourself And stay there. He's saying. I'm taking you to a glorious place. The cross is not the destination. It's the street you turn down. To get to where you're going. You want to get to where God wants to take you. Let him take you there. By his word. In his spirit. In his path. And lean not on your own understanding. But in always acknowledge him. And he will direct you. That's why we. Jesus says. The way to get to that. It's come to the point of the cross. So they could have stayed up there forever. Then all Peter, James, and John would ever try to do was get people to come up to the mountain. Yo, come up here. God's glowing. You got to see this. God's like, no, that was for you. Because what I want you to do is I want you to bring people to the cross. Where my love is poured out for all of the world. You bring people there. That's the pathway to glory. You know we're all going to step off into glory one day. We'll see Jesus not, I don't know what he's going to look like. I know that we'll recognize him. I know that we'll see his power. I know in Revelation it says there won't be any sunlight in heaven for God himself will light everything. I don't know what that means, but that's cool. Death isn't the destination. It's the avenue to glory. Let me conclude with this. Verse 11. And then they asked him, why did the scribe, then they changed this part. It almost doesn't seem like it fits. And then they asked him, why did the scribes say, so they do all this. Can we stay? This is amazing. Uh, Light goes away. God through the cloud. This is my beloved son, hear him, and all of that. Moses, Elijah, then all of that's gone. And then it's Jesus, and then he's kind of like, okay, guys, let's go. Like, why? Okay, so they're <laughs> leaving. And then they say to him, why do the scribes say that Elijah must first come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. How is it written? of the son of man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I tell you that Elijah has come and they did to him whatever they please, as it is written of him. All right, let's not miss what's right in front of Let's not miss the forest for the trees with this question. Cuz you're like, "What? Elijah? Who's coming? What are we talking about?" Here's the here's the point I don't want you to miss. After they saw God in all of his glory, in the person of Jesus, voice from heaven, all of this stuff, they still had questions. On their way back to, real, to regular life, the valley, there were things that they still didn't understand. Their, their minds immediately went to, we just saw that, how is this gonna play out in the, for the rest of our lives in the world? How, how, wh- what are you gonna do about this? And then that was that text I read from Peter. It was going to play out as a reminder that God is doing something to keep reminding people. When you get a glimpse of something, you want to see all of it. Every Sunday we have a worship experience here. A church service worship experience, whatever you want to call it. A gathering, we like to call it. Then we go back to work on Monday. A lot of you guys, I don't see you again until next Sunday. So we have a week's worth of conversations in just a few minutes. And that, that's, you know, that's hard. That's sometimes that's how church is for people. These are people I go to church with. Do you know them? Yeah, I go to church with them. What are their names? Oh, What are their kids' names? I don't know. They have kids? And that's kind of sometimes we have to make up like, how you been? How was your week? It was good. Blah, blah. But if you're not having, if you're not connecting with people throughout the week, you just get like a snapshot. You know, a lot of a, uh, a lot for a lot of us, that's what our walk with the Lord's like. We get a snapshot. Hey Lord, what's up? Man, that was good. I mean, hopefully, I worked hard on it, you know. But hopefully, like the Lord speaks to you through His Word, and you're like, wow. God is so good. He is powerful. He is in control of the things going on in my life. I just want to, I want that. I want to abide with him more. There's something that happens where the Holy, because the Holy Spirit has taken the word of God and breathing life and lighting it on fire in your life. And and there's this thing that happens. You're like, man, I want that. I want more of that. But we just get these snapshots. And then we go back down the valley and we're like, well, what does it look like in my what does it look like to share my faith? not I don't mean to like sound negative or have a harsh tone, but it's like, what does that even look like at my school? You know, no one at my work is a believer. It's like i I don't even know if I should share this because i'm I'm sort of embarrassed by it. I mean, you know, it seems to be weak in 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 the world, so I'll just mask it. When you're having trouble figuring out what to do, remember who you serve The whole point of the thing is that God's plan is his presence. You have a snapshot here. So when you go out into the Mondays and Tuesdays of your life, remember who you serve. Remember the snapshot Don't feel bad about just having a snapshot. Lean into what God is speaking to you on a Sunday. Lean into what's going on and and walk with that. God, what does it mean that, how do I do this, that, or the other? And he says, I know you. I love you. I am with you. Take that with you when you go to work as you step in. Now maybe you're not stepping in with a plan, but you're stepping in with purpose. This is who I am. This is who God is. I don't have everything under control, but He does. And that's take that with you. There's more going on than meets the eye. Let me remind you of that one more time. All the stuff, man, in our world, the wars, the rumors of wars, who's to blame for gas prices, who's at fault for the housing market, the education system, like all this stuff. There's more going on than what you can see. That's why God says don't Let your eyes lead you. Don't orient your heart by what your eyes take in. Orient your eyes by what your heart is taking in. And on this moment, on this mountain, their eyes couldn't conceive what their heart was taking in. They couldn't process. And this is what God says. He was saying, what you need is more of me. You need to see that he's got it under control. His presence is what you need. And that he is sending you forth in faith to be reminded and remind others. That's what communion does for us. It's a reminder. It's not a reminder of a plan. Like, as we take communion, you're like, yes, on Tuesday, that means this. It means this. This is who you are, God. We're going to take communion together today. So we're going we're to respond with the song, and then I'll come up as we're passing communion out. Um, just grab the the cracker and the juice and then I'll come up and lead us in it together but um, I'm going to come up and we'll just pray and take it but when you take communion it's almost like a transfiguration moment it's saying this is who you are God so for some of us it's a religious act or a traditional thing that we do but when you take communion this is what your soul is saying this is the this is Jesus when you take the This means bread, by the way. It's code. Um, the life, the body, the person of Jesus, both just in his robes when he's not glowing and the holy um, transfigured presence of God, we remember who he is, the life he lived, the love he has. And then when we take the cup, it's remembering that Jesus shed his blood to bring you to a place of with Him and, and the Father that you can't ever get to on your own. It's His love that was shed on the cross for you. So it's a remembrance and it's a declaration. Lord, we remember. And then we declare. Sometimes you need to pep talk your own soul. You ever had that? When you say, soul, don't be down. God loves you. God God uh, paid the price that you could never pay so you could sit here with him and call him your heavenly father. So maybe you've never had that before. Maybe you've never taken communion and as you do it, realize that you and God are good. Be- not because of your anything you do, but because Jesus who loves you. And um, so let's pray and uh, let's sing the song and then I'll come up and we'll take communion. Father, we thank you for your word.